0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
1: On this episode of Killer Jeans, we, the jury in the above entitled case, find the defendant, Thomas William Randolph, as follows
2: Count one, conspiracy to commit murder, guilty of conspiracy to commit murder, count two, murder with the use of a deadly weapon. Sharon Cause Randolph. An inmate at Nevada Department of Corrections Ely State Prison. This call is subject to
0: recording and monitoring.
3: I didn't kill my wife in Utah, Becky, and I had nothing to do with killing my wife in Nevada.
0: Coming up, part two of our exclusive interview with convicted murderer Thomas Randolph. Was he wrongfully convicted? or is a man on death row right where he should be?
4: I hate him, and I... It's me. He doesn't
5: care. Pure psychopaths are, are uh, frightening to see, and frightening to see, especially in this case, when you have unhindered conduct stretching over three decades.
0: And we have breaking new details from Randolph, who just had his first appeal in 12 years. Could he actually get a chance to walk free?
3: I think I will get a new trial based on the prior bad acts, number one, because it is too prejudicial.
0: The following episode of Killer Genes contains graphic and sensitive information and material. Listener discretion is advised.
3: Emmy nominated true crime journalists bring you cases like you've never heard them before. Hear first hand accounts from the victims' families, private investigators, lawyers, law enforcement, and even the convicted. Giving you a complete 360 of the case like no one else can.
1: I'm Melissa McCarty. I'm Kelly McClear.
6: And this is Killer Jeans.
1: Six-time-wed, Thomas Randolph stood trial for the murder of his second wife, Becky, but was later acquitted and her death ruled a suicide. Now, 30 years later, Randolph says he shot and killed an intruder who had just killed his sixth wife, Sharon. But a jury was not buying it and convicted Randolph for the murders of both Sharon Randolph and her alleged killer, Mike Miller. It's
3: Based on this 35-year-old, Utah case I was acquitted on that I must have I'm guilty that I set this whole thing up because I've been planning it for 35 years.
5: Uh, Just ridiculous.
0: Next up is the penalty phase and it is high stakes in Las Vegas for Randolph because a death penalty case is extremely weighty for jurors. Both sides are trying to show his true character and his true behaviors over the years that would warrant a life worth sparing or sentence him to death.
1: What you're about to hear will be offensive to some, but we are sharing it with you because it's a look into what the Las Vegas prosecutor, David Stanton, says defines a true socio and psychopath. Now on the flip side, does one's behavior, language, or lifestyle cement your fate to jurors? Can the 12 overlook vulgarity or verbiage that's a part of someone's personality and upbringing?
0: This is when his former wives or the loved ones of those who have died were allowed to appear under the prior bad acts to deliver haunting messages.
1: Let's start with a short clip from the night Sharon Randolph was killed in 2008 in Las Vegas. Randolph is talking to detectives about his past marriages and why each ended. This one is about his first wife, Kathy, who is also the mother of his two children.
6: I knew that that I
3: didn't love... Kathy, because she didn't suck dick good, but I knew she
1: would make a beautiful baby. Here's Kathy describing her marriage to Randolph in court.
7: He had a lot of extracurricular activities, um, namely other women during our marriage. I wouldn't really call it a marriage, per se. I think there was a lot of um, infidelity.
1: Prosecutor David Stanton remembers the moment he penned Randolph as a sociopath.
5: In a walkthrough video done a week to the day from his wife's, sixth wife's uh, murder, he tells detectives, we were going to go in after having dinner. She was going to wash her pussy so I could fuck her. His words, not mine. And so what do you think I did with that at trial and penalty phase? I drove his words right over him, like a truck, and used that when I argued to the jury and and his own psychological psychologist uh, testimony that he's a sociopath and certainly a psychopath, and that's one affirmation of many to the criteria under the DSM-5.
1: Stanton is referring to the Diagnostic and Systematic Manual of Mental Disorders he used in the penalty phase to prove a lifetime of bad behavior. There's a time and a place, and I think that's what you're missing and what your attorneys were trying to explain to you. There's a time and a place for words like that, and you used it during a murder trial, and you used it to talk about your life when you're being investigated, Into some people that don't know where you're coming from or understand you, they're thinking, What? This guy's nuts. Listen to the way he talks.
3: I guess I could have said, well, she doesn't give oral sex very good. Uh, But I don't say vagina. I say pussy. That's the most common word for vagina in the world. It's been around since before Christ. These guys are the best at twisting the truth. And I'm already nervous. I'm already on the spot, on the stand. And I can be telling the absolute truth. And if I have to stop and say, vagina, when I'm thinking pussy, and if I have to stop and say vagina, just that little split, and I told you this before, it's hard for me to keep saying vagina to you. It's not natural for me. If I have to stop and say for just that split second, and it's just microseconds, but okay, don't say pussy because you'll piss the jury off. Say vagina, just that little split second. Maybe Stanton's going to say, Mr. Randolph, he was hesitating there. Was you trying to think of a lie?
1: When it came to the penalty phase, did you feel like that played a role? Absolutely. Why do you think they did it? It wasn't just his language, but his looks. In one court appearance, he put his long, straight white hair into pigtails. It
3: scared me when I looked at myself. I thought, oh, God, I look like a psychopath. It's all the beds I was on.
1: Are you bringing it up because you're alluding to the fact that maybe your looks or your language um, misconstrued your message and what you're about?
3: The, the reason I brought it up is because look how, look how high I am. I'm not a deranged killer. That's for the medication. Now, I was getting the medication when I was in Clark County.
1: Medications, he says, that made him appear emotionless during the police walkthrough video that played an instrumental role during the Las Vegas trial. Another day in court, he wore a Tony Romo jersey instead of a suit.
3: I wore it because I wanted to wear it. I wore it because it makes me feel comfortable. I wore it because, uh, you know, it's a big thing in my life. My cow, not Tony Romo, but my cowboys. But you know Tommy Rabbit T R. Tommy Randolph, TR, Tony Romo, TR.:
1: A psychological analysis was conducted and introduced in Randolph's trial during the penalty phase using an expert for the defense in which the doctor called him a narcissist, not a sociopath Prosecutors kept repeating over and over again, "You're a sociopath, you're a psychopath, and this expert says, no, he's not. He's a narcissist. What's your response?
3: I am a narcissist. That's because I've got a really high IQ and because I've been a player. But anybody that's successful, anybody that's uh, intelligent, they're going to be a nurse. they're going to be somewhat narcissistic.
1: That witness opened the door for prosecutors to now use Randolph's own words against him, painting him as a person with no empathy and consistent in his pattern. His first wife, Kathy, also testified in court that she knew he married Becky Galt, his then-lover, right after they divorced. Kathy said she spoke with Becky a few times about her relationship with Randolph during that time.
7: and She expressed feeling fear when things escalated with Tom, and I counseled her to leave any way she could, and I would help her if she wanted me to.
1: Kathy says she has carried a picture of Becky in her wallet ever since her death was ruled a suicide.
7: Yes, I have it with me. Why? To remind me, I've put all these emotions on a shelf for 40 years and now I'm having to pull everything back down. But I think that picture gives me strength to express what i need to express for me and for her
0: now enters the story of randolph's third wife gaina allman who randolph once again admits to cheating on repeatedly
3: i let her live there i mean this is in some of the statements i let her live there for a month and said, you know but you got to get out because I'm, I'm dating this other woman and i need a place to have sex with i can't keep going to hotels
1: the two divorced, went their separate ways, but Gena came back to testify in Las Vegas that she believed Randolph once tried to kill her.
5: One of her co-workers, because it was like all the cases, uh, a whirlwind romance lasting three months. Um, she marries this guy and her co-worker goes, she probably Googled her. Says, hey, how much do you know about his wife's death in Utah, and does he have life insurance on him? So here she comes home that night. Hey, honey, uh, is there anything you want to tell me about your wife in Utah, about her death, and uh, do you have life insurance on me? And he goes, and she testified, what are you talking about? As I talked to a coworker of mine and wanted to know that. Well, no, there's nothing else to tell you about his wife in Utah. Once again, she testified that his wife died, nothing about the details, nothing about his being put on trial or anything like that and then lied to her about no honey I don't have any life insurance. Turns out he has multiple policies and that the bills like every other wife aren't sent to their home.
0: This is Gaina on the stand in court during the penalty phase recounting her memory of a time she felt Randolph was trying to kill her while cleaning his gun.
6: There was no bullets in the gun. That's what the defendant had told you? Yes, and that he was cleaning the gun at the dining room table.
8: And the gun went off and put uh, within, not very far away from me.
1: Randall Pike, Randolph's trial attorney in Las Vegas, questions her testimony all these years later.
3: There were never any police reports about that. There were never any allegations or, or anything concerning
1: that. His fourth wife was Leona, who he calls Lee. She died
3: of cancer after she remarried. I I hadn't seen her in 10 years. I didn't know she died.
1: His fifth wife, Frances, nine years into the marriage, was hospitalized with a heart condition.
3: Frances, I did not give her heart disease. Her mother did, and her grandmother gave it to her. I didn't give her heart disease. I didn't do the surgery.
1: Rachel, daughter to Francis, was not allowed in her mom's hospital room because of her age and doctor's orders at the time. In the room was Randolph and his mother Dorothy. Years after her mom died in the hospital, she says Randolph had a suspicious cup that day. She believed he was trying to poison her mom. Randolph says she died from surgery complications.
3: Didn't poison her. I didn't do the first surgery. I didn't do the second surgery. I didn't do the third surgery. I didn't kill Francis. So is it sad for me that I had to see her like that, that I had to see her brain dead on life support? Damn right it is. I have nightmares about it. I was good to Rachel. I was good to Francis. She loved me. I loved her, and we had nothing in common. My brother says, Tommy, most people will go all their life and they could be married for 40 years, and they never had the, the love, the pleasure, the enjoyment, the, the gratification that you have with Frances. You're lucky that you've got nine years with her.
1: Speaking for the first time, Randolph's daughter Krista, who was 24 years old during the time her stepmom had heart surgery. So tell me what you remember before and after the surgery.
2: And I was sitting down talking to Frances and talking about her heart surgery. And I remember her saying she was either nervous or scared, but she was also really excited to have it. Um, Because she wanted to get back to, like, regular life. She'd been sleeping a lot due to her heart, and she didn't have enough enough energy. She was really exhausted. Um, So I remember her saying that. And then she went into surgery, and... From what I remember the first valve they gave her didn't work. I can't remember if the size was wrong or something, but they had to bring her back in surgery and give her another valve and I wanna say I think that was within I don't know, like a day or two, um, maybe a couple of days. I remember her chest was so swollen where they cut open her chest that I was told it couldn't be sewn back together, so she had some kind of, like, dressing or covering over it. I also remember that she went
1: blind at one point. She says doctors were saying the outlook for Francis was not good, and Krista received a call the next day saying Francis has passed away.
2: I remember somebody telling me that, um, Rachel did not want to go in and say, um, you know, goodbye to her mother after the fact, and I remember going and talking to Rachel and saying, "Hey, if you want to go with me, you can." And she chose to go with me, so her and I went together, and um, said our goodbyes to Frances um, after she passed away.
1: Oh, I didn't realize you said goodbye to Frances together with Rachel. Did she seem suspicious, or was it just uh, grief?
2: No, I think it was just. I think it was just grief. I mean, she. He, um, we all kind of, from what I remember, we all knew Francis at some point probably wasn't going to make it.
1: Prosecutor Stanton has his own theories on the death of Francis. Well,
5: I'm not sure whether he poisoned her. I believe that he could have just as easily used a pillow uh, to suffocate her because he does have her blood on him. Now, he explains that away by saying he made attempts to revive her. And as his history shows, uh, his attempts to revive are fabricated, false, certainly with Sharon, and I see it no different with Francis. So I believe the mechanism of death, if I were to bet on it, would be that Randolph suffocated her with a pillow.
1: In court during the Las Vegas trial, Chief Deputy District Attorney Jacqueline Bluth had Frances' daughter Rachel on the stand as she read the will her mom Frances wrote, insinuating the will was actually written by Randolph.
6: I want Tom to have everything. Everything was Tom's already or his parents gave it to us or we bought it together after we were together and we should have it. I have always wanted everything to go to Tom because he will take care of everything for me and Rachel like he always does. Tommy, you know that I love you more than anything and you make me happy. You will always be my knight in shining armor. Do you have concerns regarding the legitimacy or the authenticity that your mother actually wrote this letter? Yes, ma'am.
1: Defense attorney Randall Pike says Rachel's testimony was hearsay.
5: She
3: made the accusations in front of the jury that's a that's a horribly um uh, um prejudicial it, it's not probative there were no medical records that were introduced at the time of trial there was no hearing that was done it was it was uh, a surprise uh testimony to to the defense
1: at the time of her death, no one requested an autopsy and her body was cremated. But Randolph's mom, Dorothy, also testified in court she was in the hospital room the moment Frances took her last breath. She also says Francis died from a faulty heart valve. Randolph is accused of having a hand in killing four of his six wives, although there hasn't been any evidence or criminal filings to implicate him for the death of Lee or Francis. Krista... Says she's always felt Francis was the one for her dad.
2: I think out of all his marriages, they were the most happy. Um, I think she really loved him and I think he really loved her. I think if she wouldn't have died, they'd probably be together forever.
0: We added Krista's firsthand account because she was an adult and present at the time.
1: But before our brief conversation ended, I had to ask what the impact of all this has been for her. Throughout the years, and probably even now, when you hear about the things that people have said about your dad or accused him of, what goes through your mind?
2: Oh, a lot goes through my mind. Um you know, I'll say uh, a lot of people claim that my father's a monster. Um, However, I can only speak from my experience, and my experience of my father is he was a great dad. He was, like, one of the best dads growing up, Um, and I only know him as a father, and I only know him as as a a really good dad growing up, and so that, you know, um, I can only honor my experience, and everybody else's experience I I have to honor their experience too but I only know my experience and my experience is my dad was a great father growing up
1: with his past lives on display and under a microscope labeled the black widower plotting and premeditating for life insurance money I asked Randolph about the pattern in his love life How do you characterize the other relationships you've had? How it's ended?
3: I'm not unlucky. I'm the luckiest man in the world. Some people go their whole life and never find a woman or a man that loves them, that will marry them and give them, you know, what they need, or in my case, most of them didn't.
1: During the trial, his character was stripped down, saying the pathology of Randolph is rare, a once-in-a-lifetime encounter, and his actions are pinned to one motive.
5: The insurance policies were literally just treating his wives as ways to collect significant chunks of money. After he had professed in front of them, his wives, and to their families and his own. His eternal love for those. He either sold drugs or killed wives and collected insurance for over three decades.
1: Randolph tells it different and says of all six marriages, Sharon was his perfect match and stands firm. He is no killer. What did you like about Sharon? Everything.
3: Everything. The most, the most the most, wonderful thing is I don't care if she's drunk, if she's mad at me because I've been to Lizzie's, if she's got a hangover, she wakes up in the morning with a smile on her face, and I don't care how bad I hurt, if I'm pissed off at the world, if, you know, if I've got a hangover, it doesn't matter when you see Sharon's smile, the day's going to be better, she's... She's a great mother. She, I told you, she's the best sex I ever had. That goes a long way because, you know, sex is important to me, especially for a woman older than me. She's, uh, you know, that's why I didn't cheat on her. I didn't need to. She's the best cook. I told you her prime rib is better than I've ever eaten anywhere in my life. She bakes fresh stuff, comes in in the morning, and I'm, I've been up all night, so I'm ready to sleep now. She comes in at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock and waves fresh strudel. Baked from scratch under my nose.
1: Sharon's longtime friends and her daughter testified in court, painting a picture that does not fit a loving marriage. In fact, saying when they heard of Sharon's murder, they instantly knew Randolph was responsible.
4: All of us are friends, and we told her he's no good. You gotta just let him go.
1: Don't let him back. Listen. Colleen says Randolph cheated on her mom the entire marriage, saying Sharon was emotionally codependent on him.
4: The fact that he had a girlfriend the whole time. You know. He had a girlfriend the whole before he got together with my mom and during and and he tortured my mother with that. He would just disappear on her on the holidays, Valentine's, birthdays. He'd take off and be with Liz. And then my mom would want to, like, kill herself. And then he'd come back, and everything would be fine again. And it it was
1: torture for her. As for Randolph's two children, your kids have lived through two murder trials. What do you think the effect is on them or has been throughout the years?
3: It's terrible. It's terrible on them, Uh, besides their dad being in prison.
1: Do you think there's some accountability with your lifestyle that ended up in this situation?
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I am what I am, you know. Um, Would I do things different? Yes. I would have been a lot more low-key. I would have done less drugs myself, because it's killing me now, my health.
1: Whether Randolph is guilty of all these crimes or innocent and given a raw deal in court is up for debate. Prosecutor David Stanton, who put Randolph on death row, has some final thoughts when it comes to his execution day. And so does Randolph, who wakes up every day not knowing when the call will come in.
5: If there came a time where I get a phone call and say, Dave, next Monday, Tom Randolph is scheduled to be executed. Uh, number one, would I go, and number two, what I would I expect? And the, the compelling thing when I thought about that uh, was it would be a crowded room.
3: I was never scared. Don't 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 misquote me. I was never scared ever. I'm still not scared. You know, if they kill me then they kill me, you know. I'm in I hurt. And like I told them, I've lived a blessed life. Um, you, you know how like many people's in prison because they want that high, you know, that shot to get high, That's that, that smoke in the pipe, taking the pills, they want to get high? They're going to give me a shot and put me to sleep, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to be having sex with Sharon, sex with Becky, sex with Lee, sex with Francis. And I hope another 10 or 20 women that made it to heaven. So, you know, that's just, that's just, wow, that's even a better fantasy than I got.
1: So you don't fear that day coming where you get the call and they say your number's up? You don't fear being executed at all? all. Not at all. But you feel you're innocent. You feel you're wrongly sitting on death row. Why would you not be afraid of that if you feel you're innocent and you don't belong there?
3: but there's nothing I can do about it. I can fight them and say, no, no, I'm innocent. Don't kill me, please. Don't kill me. And they're just going to beat me down and shackle me and drag me along the floor like a piece of shit. And I'm a man. I'm a grown man. I, I, I got some pride. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. If they kill me, they kill me.
1: Randolph's mother, Dorothy, has never questioned the innocence of her son.
4: A good portion of my heart
1: had died a long time ago, but I can tell
2: you this, he's a wonderful son, and I love him with all my heart and soul. I know that if you said,
4: I'm cold, he'd take the shirt off of his back for anyone. And no matter what,
2: I don't believe he did. He should have been found guilty of this because they used a bad axe from here in Utah, and that's what hurt him. But I'm going to walk right to the gates of hell for him if I can.
1: After 12 years in prison, since the Las Vegas shooting in 2008 and the guilty verdict in 2017... Randolph finally got his appeal with new attorney, Sandra Stewart.
3: I've had 17 different lawyers over these 12 years. And there's only one, the one I have now, Sandra Stewart, that I believe is honest and believes in what she's doing.
1: Stewart made oral arguments for various appeal issues. Now the board of appeals has between three months to a year to make their decision.
3: So, I don't want the Supreme Court, if they hear this, to say, well, you know, he's doing this, putting pressure on us, because I would never do that. I think I'll get a new trial, based on the prior bad acts being too prejudiced, and when Jackie Blue says, you've got to convict Mr. Randolph and give him the death penalty. He deserves to die, because Becky deserved to live. That's 35 years ago. Becky killed herself. She did deserve to live, but I didn't kill her. She chose to kill herself. And... If that's not prejudicial to a jury, I don't know what is.
1: Turns out, some of the justices on the Supreme Court hearing board also had some serious concerns. We've obtained the audio files of Randolph's fight for a new trial. You tell us how likely his chances will be for a new trial after hearing this. We begin with Randolph's appeals attorney, Sandra Stewart.
8: The states theory is that there was no evidence of a conspiracy between Thomas Randolph and Michael Miller to kill Sharon Miller. There was evidence that Michael Miller and Thomas Randolph were involved in selling prescription drugs. That was the only evidence of a conspiracy between Thomas Randolph, and Michael Miller. The only way the state was able to get a conviction in this case was to portray Thomas Randolph as a serial wife killer.
0: Randolph's attorney argued prior bad acts should never have come into play for his Las Vegas trial, and the state violated the Zana Law. The Nevada Court allowed the District Attorney in Utah, McGuire, to
8: testify under the case of Xana v. State, which held that while expunged files could not be admitted, a person could testify about their memories of expunged events. His testimony was admitted to establish clear and convincing evidence that Randolph murdered Becky and that prior bad act should be admitted in the Sharon case. However, Zanna, a Nevada case, did not apply to Utah's expungement statute. Utah law precluded McGuire from testifying. The statute in that case states that a government agency or official may not divulge information or records which have been expunged.
0: Next, a judge on the Nevada Supreme Court panel questions whether the XANA law that allowed Utah detectives to testify held up. After, you'll hear Las Vegas prosecutor David Stanton defend the decision.
9: This is Justice Pickering, When I read Xana, though, it is addressing the idea that even though a conviction may be expunged, the witnesses who have firsthand knowledge of it don't lose their memory of it. So a victim, for example, remains a victim in her mind and she could, that, that memory is ineradicable. But here we, we don't have that. We have. Somebody whose knowledge who came by the knowledge of the case through the state's investigation and prosecution of the case. Mr. McGuire was not a person with firsthand knowledge and a victim or a witness in the normal sense of I saw you drive through the red light or whatever. It wasn't a fact witness, it was an investigative prosecutorial. Development witness. So, why wouldn't, as a matter of policy, that be distinguishable when you have an expunged record?
6: Because I think Judge Pickering, uh, if you look at both the Petrocelli hearing and at uh, Mr. McGuire's trial testimony, his testimony on direct examination was very precisely elicited by Mr. Daskis at the Petrocelli hearing and by myself at trial. Mr. McGuire's questions and answers only related to his personal knowledge, both at the scene, which he went to, along with the detective.
1: Another issue Sandra brought up to the Supreme Court was the state never handed over full discovery before the trial started, meaning all of the evidence, especially when it came to the Utah detective's testimony during the time prior bad acts was first being considered for trial, was never handed over and the defense could have cross-examined him more effectively. Stewart says Randolph's trial attorneys objected to the judge repeatedly, but... The Court did not believe it. Are
9: there inconsistencies between mcguire 's testimony and the statement that was given? in other words, what how would it have been material if you had it?
8: There were several p-
9: inconsistencies
6: assuming we agree with you in your Petricelli argument uh, i 'm sure Mr. Stan is going to contend there's still overwhelming evidence to convict uh, uh, mr randolph there uh, why wouldn't it be considered harmless if there was error here?
8: well there wasn't There wasn't overwhelming evidence to convict Randolph.
0: The hearing turned heated with a few of the justices repeating the same question to the state prosecutor. Then, what is the harm in you
9: actually handing them the discovery and allowing them time to possibly? Um, rebut this clear and convincing. If you've only presented one side, then how do we know that truly was clear and convincing if they didn't have the discovery?
6: Because both of those things happened. They were given the discovery uh, timely yet again, uh, as you suggested. If it's all just percipient,
9: why wouldn't you just hand it over right then and there? If it's all just nothing, maybe I'm not understanding that part of why discovery... May or may not I have been given two. to
6: trial counsel. I think we're two ships passing in the night.
1: And finally, the key question from one of the Supreme Court justices to the prosecutor David Stanton: Do you think you could approve this case without this prior?
6: Um, I'm not sure whether or not I've ever assessed uh, that this case in that way. I think the 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 fact of Mr. Randolph's statement, his walkthrough video, and how that failed to uh, withstand simple physics—that is, of forensics, ballistics, and forensic pathology—was, I think, a damaging set of facts uh, from his mouth.
0: Now, Randolph waits.
1: So we're obviously going to keep all of you posted on whether Randolph gets another trial. Kelly, this is a rare look into someone like Thomas Randolph, a.k.a. the Black Widower. And I spoke with him for countless hours, uh, over eight, nine months, something that initially started back in 2017 when he was on trial. And to me, not all the evidence is there pointing to him being responsible for four of the six wives who have died, which was insinuated in court many, many times. Now, I would love to know your thoughts as a veteran crime reporter in all your years. Does a personality like this super blunt language and his lifestyle affect a verdict affect these jurors? Now, that's always the
0: million dollar question, right? You know, if you look at a case, a general case of say, a husband's wife is murdered, and he is accused of the murder because he was having an affair. Does the affair make him a killer? To me, it makes him an asshole, but not necessarily a killer. And I think that might be the case of Randolph over the years. Did he do shady things? Yes. Was he a drug dealer? Yes. Did he cheat on his wives? Yes. Does that make him a killer? No. If we're strictly looking at the Las Vegas murder of wife number six, Sharon, is there evidence pointing to Randolph killing Sharon? No, not that we've seen. Now, did he admit to killing Mike Miller? Yes, but he claims he did so in self-defense. So if I was on that jury, I don't know if I personally could convict him beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm just not sure. So it'll be very interesting and I think unprecedented in setting the the, the legal wrangling that we've covered here, you know, over the last two episodes, you know, especially if he's given a new trial speaking of that, for all of you listeners, first of all, welcome to Killer Jeans. And second of all, Thomas Randolph also has a message for you as well.
3: I also want the viewers, whether it's good or bad, You know, I've got tough skin after all these years. You can write me and say, you think I'm a dirty son of a bitch and you think I should get the death penalty. And I will try to write you back and be decent about it and say, well, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but did you know this? Did you know that? I certainly would love to have people write to me and say, you know, this is nonsense. You're screwed. And what can we do to help you? Write the governor, write the ACLU, write the county commission, write this, write that.
0: As we were wrapping up this case, the Nevada Supreme Court just made its decision. To the shock of I think everyone involved, Thomas Randolph will get a new trial.
1: The Supreme Court said prosecutors did not meet its burden of proving the errors were harmless, so they reversed the judgment of conviction and remand for a new trial. Here's a nationwide exclusive: the reaction from Thomas Randolph speaking from death row.
3: I'm Happy as can be uh, because, as I've told everybody, I didn't do this. I didn't kill Becky. I didn't kill Sharon. um, And I'm more, I think I'm more happy not with the fact that I'm getting a new trial, I'm more happy that. The system didn't let me down like it's let down so many other people, like it has let me down for going on 13 years.
0: Here's the reaction from Randolph's mother, Dorothy. Then you'll hear from
1: his daughter, Krista. Thomas Randolph got a new trial. (laughs) They ruled in his favor. thank
4: God. I'm sorry. No, but I didn't I didn't think I'd live to see it. I know he didn't do it. Oh my goodness, honey. It's been over way over ten years since I got to touch my son. Oh I'm sorry, honey. I'm speechless. That's awesome. That that's
2: Wow. Wow. I'm in total shock that this never happens.
1: Oh my God. Just made my day. Just like never made my life. It was a completely different emotion for Colleen, the daughter of Sharon Randolph. Would you go to the new trial? Um, yes.
4: Yeah. I am. everybody needs to know he's guilty. He's one hundred percent guilty.
1: And it's probably to you worth the trauma of reliving everything twelve years later just for You know what I'm yeah. <laughs>
4: it's <painful>. But I'm <laughs> I'm mad now. i really. This is just not right. This is not justice for me and my family. This is opening a, you know, a big scab. Oh, I just, I thought he was, you know, I thought he was just gone
1: forever. He can't get out. He is a killer. He will do it again. Randolph's appeals attorney, Sandra Stewart, tells Killer Jeans exclusively she never had a doubt. I felt from the time I wrote the
2: opening brief that we were going to win, because I thought it was terrible that they let in that evidence from 20 years ago. A man should be judged on what he did in that for the crime that he's being tried for, not for something that happened 20 years ago. So I always thought we were going to win.
0: And just how did Randolph win his appeal? Because prior bad acts using the Utah case that he was acquitted of should never have been allowed in, according to the justices who ruled many of those witnesses from back in 1989 were, quote, irrelevant and prejudicial.
1: Does this mean prior bad acts will not be allowed at all in the new trial? That would be my understanding. Well, I don't know if at all, but not the prior bad acts relating to Becky's death. Randolph's first attorney who fought against prior bad acts being allowed at trial is Brent Bryson.
5: The
3: evidence regarding the, uh, the case here in Las Vegas is a very tenuous case for the state. That's why they fought so hard, and why they wanted to dirty up uh Tom uh in in the trial, um uh, because I believe they fully understood that they needed something to make him look like just a bad person, and the Supreme Court even talked about that.
1: now here's Randolph's trial attorney Randall Pike.
6: When you're fighting against um something that is what thirty years over older or over with, and it was an acquittal that absolutely should not have gotten into the the the, the mindset of jurors. But apparently, it did because the court found it was clearly prejudicial. And I'm just hopeful that they'll have a fair trial this next time, and that the, this next jury will be able to make the right decision.
0: Can Las Vegas prosecutors prove their case without prior bad acts? Will the evidence in Las Vegas stand on its own?
2: I don't feel like there was any evidence of a conspiracy between Randolph and Miller. And without a conspiracy, I didn't see how you could convict them. There was, to me, there was no evidence of a conspiracy to commit murder.
0: Randolph says he's ready.
2: This isn't just about me. Like
3: I've told everybody from day one, if they can pull this kind of illegal corruption, this malfeasance, and then cover it up with impunity in a case, a double death penalty, think what they're doing every day in other people's cases that, you know, that don't have the proof.
1: What will you do differently?
3: I won't do anything differently. I'm me. I I want to address the jury and explain to them, you know, I hope you like me. I hope you respect me. And we've talked about this. But uh, if not, the only thing I really want you to do is listen to me. Because if you listen to me, you'll believe me. And if you believe me, I'm going home. uh, And it won't take very long because there's nothing there.
1: Will you take the stand this time?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, unless, unless there's a reason not to, but I got nothing to hide.
1: Is this unprecedented or how would you summarize everything that has taken place with this decision and his two murder trials, his death penalty conviction?
5: You know, Thomas is a, an, an interesting individual, and his cases
3: have been interesting, both of the cases up in uh, Utah and down here. It's like a roller coaster ride with Tom. Um, so that's the way I would describe it. You know, it, it's a roller coaster.
4: He's just such an evil, evil person. And
1: uh, well, I was going to ask if anything has changed all these years um, if you still feel to your core that he plotted to have your mother killed? Oh yes, oh he is he did it. There's
2: no doubt,
4: no doubt um. I'm really mad. I'm really angry with the system. Uh, this should not have happened. I, 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 I would like some more answers.
1: We will stay on this story and follow the new trial for Thomas Randolph as it unfolds.